This is episode number 51 with multi-brand franchisee and startup founder, Kristen Chandler. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side and I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often, it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at g chapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now, let's drop into the episode. All right, guys, I've got a great guest teed up for you guys today. Her name is Kristen Chandler. She's got a fantastic entrepreneurial story that she shares with us. So Kristen is a multi-brand franchisee. She also owns several other non-franchise businesses. So she talks about her experience getting started as an entrepreneur, why she decided to add another business, which her second business was a franchise business. And then she's gone on to start another non-franchise business and then get involved in a another franchise business that's completely unrelated to any of the other businesses that she operates. But she talks about how she saw the opportunity to get into that business and how she's got through some very difficult times related to COVID. So just all around a great entrepreneurial story, tons of good advice and wisdom that Kristen shares in this episode. And I think it's just such a good example of how, you know, someone can literally build an empire for themselves and you know how franchising can play a role in that and then how you can take what you've learned in one business apply it to another business think strategically you know add complementary businesses where you're serving a similar client base uh, across multiple businesses so this episode is jam-packed full of great information good advice from Kristen she's an awesome awesome person a fantastic entrepreneur and I'm so glad to have had her drop in with us on the Path to Freedom podcast. So enjoy this episode with Kristen Chandler. This is exciting. I've been looking forward to having you come on the podcast. I think we connected on Clubhouse somehow or another. We were in a room that was talking about franchising and then we had a dialogue that started and you were telling me a little bit about you know your story uh, your entrepreneurial journey. And I was like, we got to get you on the podcast because 
you know, I think your story will really help out a lot of the listeners and I think you'll bring a very unique perspective as well. So, you know, for those not familiar with you, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about how you got started as an entrepreneur and, you know, how you've gotten to where you are today. Okay, great. Well, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur. I, growing up, always had a knack for wanting to solve problems and creating a business um, for those, for those issues. And it was really just something that I always did as a child. And when I was in grad school in 2005 at Texas Tech, I received a call from my dad who had opened up a branch of one of his oil and gas safety businesses um, in a town that I had never heard of. And he was really needing some feet on the ground and knew that I wasn't thrilled in the graduate program that I was in and asked Uh if I wanted to go and start that business for him. And so I did completely young, naive, no experience at 23 years old. And I did that for about five years until I started my first um, startup company, which was a drug and alcohol toxicology and management company for my oil and gas clients. And then about six months after that, I opened my first franchise business in order to have new markets and kind of it jived with the startup business that I had opened to an extent, but it was just a way for me to diversify my existing startup. And so it was the perfect match. And so I was running a startup and a franchise together, yet they were separate um, with no knowledge or experience of either, really. Yeah. And that was really how it all started. So what was the franchise? The franchise is any lab test now. Yep. And it was a lab testing business. Um, they did toxicology and they, and we do, we still do toxicology, but it was more of a clinically based um, lab testing company. And so I thought, well, I've already gotten into toxicology myself the hard way, learning everything from the ground up. And this other part of the business that I have know nothing about is the perfect segue to to go and diversify my both of these businesses. And so that's what I ended up doing. Um, at the time that I signed on, I think maybe there was probably under 30 locations at the time so it was a very new franchise startup I mean it wasn't anything that the franchise itself was a new startup and so now I think we're up to over 200 locations so that was cool to get in something that was starting up from that perspective and watch that grow itself yeah no doubt it sounds like you got in pretty early but I, I mean to me it's it seems like you took a very smart approach and, you know, going out and finding another business, you know, it happened to be a franchise, but something that kind of complemented the business you had already started. I mean, to me, I think that's a great strategy. If your goal is to own multiple businesses, you know, why not get into businesses that in some way or another complement each other and, and can kind of feed each other in a way, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can use each business to benefit the other. Uh, So it sounds like you kind of figured that out pretty early on into your entrepreneurial career. Right. And it was really just from the perspective of um, fear and being nervous because the gas market that I was in was starting to tank economically. Mm. Mm. And a lot of my clients were cutting um, some of their services that they could do in-house. And so I kind of was seeing the writing on the wall. The market wasn't going up. It didn't look promising. So I knew I had to do something because I knew I wouldn't survive on my oil and gas clients alone. And I really needed like more of a general market uh, to help me battle the storm or my business wouldn't have made it, my startup due to the economy. Definitely. So do you still have that startup business? I do. And I still have a lot of the same clients 
that were with me 10 years ago when we started and we've gone through the highs and lows of the oil and gas market and to this day that was the best decision I ever made um, from the perspective of growth and just being able to have another market to fall on during the hard times of oil and gas because I've seen the wave two, three, four times now and the other businesses always got me through during those hard times and vice versa when the lab testing business hasn't been so great. So it's, sure. it's been yeah. a really good call. Yeah, I love it. I'm a big fan of not having all your eggs in one basket because, you know, regardless of the business or the industry that you're in, there's always going to be things outside of your control as a business owner that, you know, could potentially have a negative impact on the business. And so the more diversified you are, the the less you know, one business kind of, you know, plateauing or even going backwards due to outside circumstances, the less it can hurt you. So that, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, I'm curious, uh, you know, what your experience is. So, you know, with your first two businesses, one was really a startup, the other was a franchise. And even though you were kind of early in, I would imagine, you know, with the franchise, they had some training, you know, some onboarding support to help you to get to the point of, getting your business open and operational and then some ongoing resources and guidance and support. So what was kind of your experience if you want to compare the two, you know, doing a startup completely on your own compared to, you know, having the assistance of a franchisor to help you launch the Any Lab Test Now business? Right. So with Any Lab Test Now, I I went to a two week um training onboarding program in Atlanta, Georgia. And we just kind of went through, there's so many things with any lab tests now, so many tests, you can't cover it all, but we went through the high points and I left there at least knowing the resources, how to utilize them, who I could call, where I could turn to, um, and that sort of thing before getting back to open the business. And that was really helpful because I really, I knew nothing about building a website or social media really wasn't a thing back then. It kind of was, but not like it is now. Um, So they were doing a lot of the behind the scenes things that I, I really didn't know anything about. And then with my startup, all I ever knew to do to get customers was to just go door to door sales. And so Mm -hmm. That really was my only experience in acquiring any business or any sales was I would just go directly to oil and gas companies and speak with them in person. I wasn't emailing or social media marketing or anything. It was just building relationships through networking and face-to-face cold sales calls. Every single day I would go, had a mission to go see five to 10 different customers and I would keep going back even after no's and eventually they would contact three six months later some would give me an opportunity you know right out the gate but it was a long two-year process of building it from the grassroots but it's established the clients that I have now who have stayed with me from the beginning because of that and so that's not anything that the franchise would have taught me sure um yeah personal. And so it, both of those things help both of my businesses in those kinds of ways, because I wouldn't have had some strengths without the other experiences. So that was good. That makes total sense. You've learned things in both businesses that have been able to help the other business. Right. So let me ask you this, because, you know, at the top of the the episode, you referred to yourself as an accidental entrepreneur, which I like, Um, you know, but it sounds like you, you kind of jumped in, you know, starting by helping your dad with his business, you know, because a lot of people that, especially people I work with that are interested in getting into business for themselves, um, you know, it's, it's a scary prospect to say, you know, hey, I'm going to you know, go start my own business. And, you know, in some cases that means maybe leaving the quote unquote security of a, you know, salary and benefits and all of that to go do your own business. In some cases, you know, maybe not, but I'm curious if you had any of, you know, any fear, uncertainty, 
any doubt, you know, about going to help your dad start this business? And then as you went on to start other businesses, you know, I imagine there was some fear at play. There is for, for most people. So I want to know if you can kind of speak a little bit to, you know, how you were able to, to push through some of that. Cause I think it's one of the biggest things that hold people back from, you know, taking that leap to, to actually become an entrepreneur. Right. And I always say ignorance is bliss, right? If I would have known way back then <laughs> what I was getting myself into, I would have <laughs> had different thoughts, fears and things like that. But sure. I was young and looking for hungry for an opportunity and that presented itself to me. And the presentation of it was basically like, this is your business. We're five hours away. We can't be there every day. Like you've got to figure everything out from scratch. So even though it wasn't my capital, I had to figure out everything to make it successful to even have a job. And so that was a lot of, a lot of pressure that I didn't even think about going into it. And I really, and I had nothing to lose. So, so I did it. And then when I decided to do my own thing. It was still kind of like the ignorance is bliss. But at that point, I had built up my salary. I had Christmas bonuses. I had a company truck. I had a company credit card. I had a gas card, a cell phone. I had all those things. Yeah. And when I told my parents I had found this franchise opportunity and I was ready to take my startup and combine those two together to go out on my own, that was it. I mean, I left everything on the table. <laughs> And went from all that that I worked so hard for to nothing. Yeah, that but was when you went all then, in. Right. And even then, I still didn't have um, the fear of it because I felt like I had already done it for them, that I could figure out how to do it for myself. Yeah. And I had $15,000 worth of savings. That's all I had. I put that towards my franchise fee. I got zero funding. Um, as a backup plan, I mean, you talk about nothing. I really, I had nothing in my mind that this wasn't going to be successful eventually. And I, love that. I just went for it and started hitting the streets. And that was it. I had no, I had no backing, no capital, no emergency fund, anything. And so looking back now to what I know now, doing big, bigger investments and having to go through things a different way. I, I think, wow, like, what was I thinking? That's a miracle <laughs> that it survived and that I didn't need loans and all this other stuff, but it just worked out because I never gave myself a reason to doubt myself that it wouldn't, it had to, because I left all that stuff That's online right. and signed a year commitment. So Call it that was going to work one other. Yeah. You call that burning the boats. You know, it's like there is no option except for to succeed. Uh, that is the only option. And, and I mean, I, I think, you know, like you said, ignorance is bliss. I mean, I, I get to talk to a lot of successful entrepreneurs here on the podcast and, and that's a pretty, you know, common statement that I hear from them. They're like, man, man, if I would have known then what I know now, I don't know if I even would have done it <laughs> because it's, it's a lot of hard work you know, it's, it's an emotional roller coaster being a business owner. Uh, and there's always going to be challenges that you have to face and overcome. So I, I do think the less you have to lose, you know, maybe there's not quite as much of that fear at play. And then the more you have to lose, it, it gets a little bit scarier because your mind kind of automatically wanders to the, you know, the what if, what if the worst case scenario plays out, that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I really like what you said about how, you know, helping your dad really get that business started, gave you the confidence to know that you could then go on and do it for yourself. And that's something that I talk to a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs about, which is, look, you know, sometimes literally the hardest part is taking that first step or those first couple of steps. And once you start taking action, you build confidence, you start to gain momentum, and then you're in it and it becomes a lot easier. It's not nearly as scary when you're actually in it. Uh, versus when it's still kind of theoretical and you're just thinking about starting a business. Right. Because when you're in it and you've got, you've signed that franchise document or you've signed that five-year lease or whatever it is, 
you're in it. And so you only can think of the positive and what you're going to do to survive in the worst case scenario and always trying to stay five years ahead of your competition. I mean, I think that's always what has helped me with my fear is I've always tried to stay not one step. I want to be so far advanced in five years that if somebody tries to copy my brand or what I'm doing, it's going to take them a long time because I'm always trying to stay way further ahead that it would be impossible for somebody to just swoop in and do it overnight, if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. I mean, you've got to constantly be innovating. Otherwise, someone's going to catch you. You know, right. it's it's happened to huge businesses. I mean, Blockbuster is an easy example, right? They got comfortable. Right. <laughs> they kind of settled for the model that had worked with them for decades. And uh, now they're not around anymore. So right. yeah, it makes total sense. Since these first two businesses, which you still own and operate both of these, you've gone on to you know, start several other businesses as well. Tell us a little bit more about those businesses and and how you got into them. So I started another startup after any lab test now because of any lab test now. Um, It's called BU and it's a wellness, holistic wellness spa. Mm -hmm. And I started that because I was having a lot of patients coming in with their blood test results. And with any lab test now, we do not treat or diagnose or provide any type of medical services or treatment um, based on the results of any nature. And so we would have our customers coming in and asking us how to um, read these results and what we thought and that sort of thing, which really wasn't in our arena, but we were skilled enough to know the difference between reading a lab test that maybe um, a healthy lifestyle change like cholesterol they may be out of range but they could modify their diet and be okay and so we started learning through reading all these lab results that a lot of our patients needs were just lifestyle modifications or holistic type of remedies what especially when it came to like gut health issues mm-hmm. and being low on and vitamin deficiency and things like that. And so I developed BU as a alternative resource for our customers that were coming in with these issues from their lab tests that they could come next door and get vitamin injections, vitamin IVs, colon hydrotherapies, mm-hmm. things like that to complement and get them back on track and we can retest them in six months and see if what we're doing next door is making a difference in their overall health and wellness. And so that's how that brand. That's another, another brilliant example of, you know, starting another business that's complementary to one that you're already in. You can, you know, pull clientele from one business to the next and likely vice versa. Uh, so I, I think that's, uh, I mean, very smart, clearly. But, um, and, and I would imagine that, you know, a lot of what you learned from your first startup and, and your first franchise business, you were then able to apply when you were starting BU and, uh, you know, probably avoided some pitfalls that you may have fallen into otherwise had you not already had some of that experience. Exactly. Because the initial I, idea of BU was it was just going to be vitamin injections and vitamin IVs. But as I started exploring and my philosophy of always staying five years ahead, I thought this is going to trend out, you know, this was before IV bars were even a thing. And I thought, yeah, I could probably be the first on the market to maybe even franchise an IV bar, but like, how well is that going to sustain when any doctor in town can do an IV? Like I've got to separate myself and provide a service that is not just these two things, but like is for everybody anytime. And so we also do teeth whitening organic spray cans, oxygen bar, like I found a service in every sector of health, beauty, and wellness that if somebody walked through our door, there would be something that they could, that they would be attracted to in some form or fashion. Yeah, so you've really kind of become a one-stop shop for health, beauty, wellness, and then 
you have your any lab test now so your clients can track their progress uh, by getting their test regularly and getting the results and able to actually see the progress that they're making through the other services that you offer. Right. And then my next business, we moved to a small rural community of about, I would say about 10,000-ish people live in this community, not necessarily a town. And we were, I'll never forget, we were moving stuff in that week. And I thought, how is there not a restaurant in this town? There's a ton of people that live here. It's just the school, houses and a couple of churches, but why has no one put a restaurant out here? We're having to drive 15 to 20 minutes to just go get something simple. Yep. And so that was my first complaint because I was annoyed that we were moving. We had nothing in the refrigerator and Mm -hmm. there's our clothes. So I kind of said that. And then about a year later, a shopping center was starting to be built in this little community and everybody in the community was kind of like, this is crazy. I can't believe somebody's doing a shopping center, you know, like it's nobody can bring anything in there that this, this town's going to support or this community is going to support um, that sort of thing. And I thought, well, maybe I should put something in there. And my husband said, well, maybe you should put something like food wise because I'm tired of driving. <laughs> Yeah. into town to get anything and so I started thinking about it and I thought what is a brand that everybody knows what is a brand that I don't have to hire a cook or a chef uh-huh. that doesn't deal with grief, that's healthy that is easy to train a high school student or an adult worker and I opened a subway <laughs> so yeah. I opened the franchise brand in in this community and it's done really done really well because there was a problem and they needed a solution and that was what we did yeah that's so cool and you know you said at the top of the episode that you know you've always kind of had this knack for identifying problems and and solving those problems and I think that's common with any successful entrepreneur and that's clearly you know, from hearing your story, that's clearly been a trend, right? And, you know, I think what you right. did by opening BU, by adding the different services that you've added, uh, you know, by opening the subway in your, you know, little community that you live in where there was no other options, you know, it, to me, it's clear that you've done a very good job of listening to your clients and listening, you know, to the the needs of consumers and then solving a problem for them. So right. I think it's great. So, so how long ago did you open your subway? Um, it will be three years in April. Very cool. And it's going well. It is. I mean, COVID really, nobody could have planned for, for that as a business owner. I mean, there's sure. nothing that could have prepared us for that. And that business really was the one that was affected the most because right during that time was when there was a lot of spring school sports. So we did a lot of sports catering, um, Mm. everything, school, parents would come in and get lunches before school and all that stuff. And so when COVID happened, it wasn't just COVID. It was like the school's getting shut down, sports getting shut down. Like there were all these layers of cells we missed out on, um, during that during that time and really having to pivot during that was difficult but it taught us it taught us a lot that we could even do from a global brand food perspective that I never would have thought of otherwise so it's it's doing good it's going it's getting finally back on track a little bit I mean it's still not what it was pre-COVID but it's slowly getting back up there again. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, the good news is sounds like you were able to learn a lot, you know, through that experience. You know, I, I think any successful entrepreneur is always looking for what they can learn, you know, even out of a very bad situation. Um, and, you know, the even better news is you're, you're open again, you're back in business. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of, there's a lot of restaurants. I mean, there's a lot of businesses, period, that are, are probably not reopening because of COVID. And, and that's, you know, a sad thing, but, 
you know, so at least you're, you're back up and running, getting things back on track. Yeah, I wanted to share with you because your, your story of, you know, kind of where you moved to uh, this little town or little community, it, it reminds me of the town that I grew up in, uh, you know, kind of central North Carolina, uh, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, 20 minutes to, you know, the, the bigger city where all the restaurants and stuff were. And so for the longest time growing up, there was not a single restaurant in the little town of Pleasant Garden, North Carolina where I grew up, but you want to know what the first restaurant that opened up was? Subway. It was a Subway. And so come to find out, I didn't know any of this at the time, but I've since kind of learned it. Uh, the reason that this little town of Pleasant Garden never had a restaurant uh, was because they were not on city water. And apparently that was a requirement. If you opened a restaurant, especially one with like a full kitchen and everything, you needed to be on city water. And so that was part of the reason that there was never any sort of a restaurant in this little town. Subway was able to open up because of the way the business model is set up. You know, as you indicated, you don't need a full kitchen. You don't need ovens. You don't need any of that. The food's all pretty much just, from what I understand, shipped into you and you you know, make the sandwiches to order right in there. So that was what allowed the subway to open up. And, you know, my parents still live there. So anytime I go back and visit, like there is always a full parking lot at this subway. <laughs> like it, it was the right. most exciting thing to happen to this town in decades when subway, you know, opened up. Uh, so yeah, I get it. That, that uh, you know, to me makes a lot of sense. I didn't know anything about franchising when that subway opened up, but I wish uh, I wish I would have. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's the same out here. We're, we're on well water. Yep. So that was really a challenge opening a restaurant in a community like this with well water. The internet's not great because we don't have a uh, fiber optic out here really. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't have a bank. So the cash and change were a real challenge that I wasn't even expecting. Oh yeah. Not I having, of that. you know, with miles up the road. And we get hit really hard, or so we can't accept fifty hundred dollar bills or anything because we don't have a bank that's close enough that we we can get wiped out like that and go replenish real quick either. So there are a lot of things that this subway had more challenges of than just opening up in Midland or Dallas or Houston or something like that. Yeah, I would have never thought about you know not being able to you know have enough change on hand because you don't have a bank. That's, that's interesting. Right. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast and that's because franchising has had a massive impact on my life. And it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years, and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today, and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with, and while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. 
So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at path2freedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. You've clearly been very successful in starting multiple businesses, you know, really keeping an eye out for what are problems that consumers are having that I can solve. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, I think you bring a very unique perspective because you know, as we sit here today, you have four businesses, two of which are franchised, two of which are non-franchised that you've started and built completely from scratch. So, you know, I specialize in franchising. I own several franchise businesses and I work with people, you know, to help them find a great franchise business for them. And so I'm curious, you know, from your perspective and, and through your experience, you know, what are, what are some of the key differences that you've seen in your franchise businesses and your non-franchise businesses? So I would say when I was looking at putting food out in Greenwood, I, I thought I could open up Christmas sub shops or I could open up an existing brand that had global recognition. Everybody knows what it tastes like. Dick expectation is the same whether you go here or to Dallas like it's right the, the consumer knows and they know, recognize the brand and marketing's already there so that's that was the big reason I chose doing a franchise in that market over just a startup sandwich shop because I want I didn't have the time or the knowledge or the experience to build build something from scratch the formulations from scratch started website do all that marketing behind the website all of that stuff I just chose felt like it was a better option with my time and with my experience and knowledge that I didn't have with the food industry to go the franchise route um, yeah. in that particular case and so that's what I think you have to look at is is first of all the is my market going to accept this brand and is this brand right for this market? Because it doesn't matter really what franchise it is. If the market's not going to support it, it's not going to be successful. The market has to need it and accept it for any franchise to be successful as well. And so that's why I've always, chose one or the other I think they both have their pros and cons like the brand recognition formulations already established standard operating procedures already established the website Um, but you also have to look at from a startup perspective if you're if you're not wanting a lot of employees if you're wanting more flexibility if you want more brand control if you want the freedom to create and grow it the way you see fit, then in that case, a startup is the better option. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have you have these very strict rules with franchising because they are trying to protect the brand and so that it's universal across the board. When you go into one, it's the same experience as the other versus the cool thing about being a startup is you don't have those controls or weights on you. You can you can create, you can explore, you can try new things and take out and put in what works and what doesn't, where you don't have that flexibility and control from a franchise perspective. Yeah, no doubt. I think those are really good points. And I think some of it depends on the type of franchise too. Uh, You know, a brand like Subway literally is global and, and it's very important that, you know, if you go to a Subway in Texas or North Carolina or you know, even in another country that you get really the same experience and the food tastes the same. Um, And the brand, but the brand recognition is so powerful with a brand like Subway. But I mean, there's franchises out there where, 
the brand recognition is not going to be as valuable. Um, you know, like the franchise businesses we own are in kind of home service, home improvement space. You know, the brand is known in the markets where they operate, but it's not a globally recognized brand. Like you're not going to see any of our franchises running Super Bowl ads anytime soon. Uh, you know, so a little bit different, but there's other, there's other benefits, right? So you're not maybe leveraging a globally recognizable brand like you would with Subway, but there's other things. And, you know, we have quite a bit of flexibility to try different things and experiment all while still operating within the, you know, structure of the franchise system, uh, and the processes that they have in place. So I think some of it depends on the type of franchise business that you're, you're looking at getting into. Um, but no doubt, regardless of the type of franchise business with a franchise, I mean, you have, you sign a franchise agreement, right? So you are legally obligated to do and even not do certain things. Whereas with a startup, it's your call, you know? Uh, so there certainly is more, more freedom and flexibility to, you know, really run the business your way, uh, when it's a startup, I'm, I'm curious you know, with, with someone like yourself, you've got, you know, at this point, four businesses, I would imagine that keeps you pretty busy. Um, because I know what I've seen, like, you know, we've got several businesses as well. Time becomes uh, a challenge, right? If, if, you know, the goal is, hey, I'm going to start another business in addition to the other businesses, you know, we're already running. Uh, to me, that's where a franchise can be very valuable as well, because, it's likely just not going to take as much of your time to get it up and running because so many of the things are already in place. You know, the, the branding, the website, the marketing materials, you know, probably some of the technology that you would need to run the business. And, and that can take a lot of time just to get those pieces in place in a, in a startup. So, you know, I work with quite a few people that are already business owners and they, they want to get into another business for a variety of reasons, but a franchise makes sense because, it just kind of gives them the ability to run faster and get to the point where they can actually start generating some revenue quicker than if they could go do it on their own. You know, they have the know-how to do it on their own, but maybe they don't have the time. So, you know, what, what are your, have you kind of seen the same in, in your experience or oh, what are your thoughts on that? Exactly. I mean, you've, I've got a brand that's very structured, rigid. This is the way it is. This is who we order from and what we do. And then, you know, I have any lab test now that we still have, guidelines and rules and that sort of thing but the flexibility is more there um than it than it was subway so it it is nice because it gave me a different perspective too of franchising that when i'm choosing a brand i'm going to choose it like you said based on my life and can my life conform to what's needed to meet these requirements from a franchise perspective that I'm going to have to follow. And mm-hmm. there are some very flexible franchises that meet, that complement um, you being able to do a lot of what you want to do creatively and flexibility wise, as, along with those resources that you're getting, like you said, that you wouldn't get if you were just doing it straight startup. And so I, to- I totally agree. It takes so much more time to start for a startup to have to build the marketing collateral, do the ads yourself, you know, what are you going to keep in house? What are you going to contract out? What hats as, as a business owner are you going to wear or are you going to hire a manager to wear these hats? You know, with a startup, you have to add or contract out or take on more yourself personally than what you do with a franchise when they have a marketing team. They have all this back office support that you would otherwise, as a startup owner, have to figure out yourself, either yourself, hire somebody, or contract it out. And those are just extra decisions that you don't have to necessarily make mm-hmm. with a franchise brand. Yeah, exactly. Spot on. So, I mean, what would your advice be if someone is, you know, considering getting into business for themselves for the first time. Uh, what are some of the key considerations? And I guess, I guess we've already hit on some of this, but, you know, curious if you have any thoughts, you know, if someone's kind of on the fence, you know, maybe, maybe I'd want to do a franchise, but maybe I'd want to just kind of start my own thing from scratch. I mean, what are some of the key things that, you know, they should think through 
to help them, you know, determine which direction is the best, best way for them to go? I think your motivation for why you're starting the business to begin with will guide you a lot of the way on where you want to go start up or franchise wise. Yes. Like for me, the problem, I was looking for a solution. Then I was able to put, put it in two different cups on like, is the franchise the best for this market or this problem or is a startup and that sort of thing. You just start narrowing down between the two once you know what you want to do and what your goal is with that business and why you're doing that business to begin with. Because I think a lot of times people see, I don't know, for example, medical, like any lab test now, they think, oh, it's medical. It's got to be killing it just because it's medical well that's really not it's really not the case because although it is a franchise it's still owner operator driven and market driven and so maybe any lab test now is killing it in a city like houston but maybe in a smaller community that's mostly hospital owned it wouldn't do so well because the hospital has the market and the doctor's offices as well. And so you have to look at things from a different scope market-wise because it can be a great brand or a great idea if it's a startup, but where are you putting it and why are you putting it and is it really going to solve that problem? And then I think you go that direction with it. And then capital is important too. Like what do you have at your disposal Funding-wise, if you're going to have to hire a lot of employees and you don't have the capital to do that starting out, you may reconsider scaling it back and starting it just with yourself as a startup than jumping into a franchise that's going to require you to have 15 employees to do it, you know? So I think you just have to look at what your life looks like and your capital looks like and make the decision from there. And I love what you said about, you know, what's, what's kind of your reason? What are you looking to accomplish through owning a business? I think that that can really give you some direction. So I, I think that's all good advice. And yeah, the, the location, your market, you know, certain, certain brands, or I guess I should say certain products and services are going to be better received. There's going to be a bigger demand, you know, in, in some markets. And, you know, I think also, you know, this is something I talk a lot about with the people that I work with to to help find franchises is, you know, you need to really kind of sit down and think about you know, what do you want your role in the business to be as the owner? How do you want to spend the majority of your time? Because different businesses are going to have different requirements from you as the owner. You know, right. like you said, if it's if it's a business that requires 15 employees to start, well, you're probably going to you know, be spending a lot more time as the owner recruiting, hiring, training, managing than a business that only requires, you know, one employee to start or maybe even no employees. Uh, your role is going right. to be very, very different. So, you know, that's something that I've found is a little bit counterintuitive to some people when they start thinking about what type of business they want to get into. They, they kind of immediately jump to, you know, a certain product or service. And, you know, I found it's kind of better to think about, you know, what do I want my time to be spent on? And then let's find a business that, that has a business model that is conducive with that. Uh, and then kind of shift our focus to, all right, now let's find a business with a model that works for me and has a product and service that I think will, you know, be, be well received in my particular area. Exactly. And as so often entrepreneurs will say like, look, you've got all these businesses, that, that's awesome. I don't know how you do it, but you have to be an entrepreneur, you have to have the mindset. It's not, I don't know how, how you do it. You've just got to do it and you've got to figure it out and you've got to sacrifice your time because once you make a commitment to do it, you're all in and you're the only one it's riding on. Your employees can come and go, your managers can come and go, but you're left stuck holding the business together and so you don't have a choice and I think if you go into a business with the mindset that it's not money motivated eventually hopefully it's money motivated because you're you're doing well and 
that sort of thing. But if you go into it thinking, I'm going to make all this money and I'm just going to kill it. I'm not going to have to work. I'm going to be able to hire all these people. Right. You're going to be miserable and happy. And you're going to think, what did I do? And unfortunately, a lot of entrepreneurs are more that mindset going into it than they are the opposite of, I may not see a profit for three to five years. I may be working 80 hours a week for six months till I get everybody trained. I may have to sacrifice going on vacations and fun things for a while, but I'll be happy in five years that I did the work and the sacrifices during that short amount of time to have a lifetime of freedom. But you can't have the best of both worlds when you're an entrepreneur. There's a time where you have to buckle down, sacrifice, work hard, work a lot, and it's not fun, but when you get there, you're happy you did it. Yeah, such such an important point, right? I mean, there's no get-rich-quick schemes in, in entrepreneurship, typically. Uh, you know, there's not these people that are, you know, getting filthy rich overnight by starting a business. It, it's a lot of grinding to get there, and to your point, if you stick it out, it'll pay off and you'll have the freedom. You'll probably have, you know, great financial results, way better than you likely would working for someone else for your entire career. Uh, but there's going to be that time at the beginning and it's different for different people and different businesses in terms of how long it takes to get there. But yeah, to your point, if you're kind of looking at it saying, yeah, I want to start a business because I want to play golf five days a week or, you know, hang out on the beach sipping, uh, you know, mojitos or something like that. It's like, well, you, you can get there to where you can probably spend a little more of your time doing these things, but you're gonna have to put in a lot of hard work along the way. Um, you're probably gonna have to work harder than you ever have before. You very likely may go for a while without getting paid. Um, but that's, that's the sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, you said it, you can't, can't have the best of both worlds or at least not when you're starting out as an entrepreneur. It's just, if you if you're not patient and you are expecting a get rich quicker idea or that you hire everybody to do it and especially at the beginning, then you're then you're unpleasantly shocked because it's the exact opposite. Yeah. So, you'll be sorely disappointed. So yeah. that's great advice for any of the aspiring entrepreneurs out there listening. Take uh, Kristen's advice to heart on that. Um, so I'm curious though, Kristen, where, where do you want to go from here? You know, you've got what sounds like four very successful businesses. Um, do you, do you have any goals for starting other businesses or is your focus right now just on continuing to, to build the businesses you already have? My focus now is to continue the, building the businesses I already have and get them back to where they were before COVID. Sure. And on a growth pattern, add some services and things of that nature to where we are better than we were even pre-COVID. And then maybe from there, um, explore other options. But that's really my focus. I mean, if you would have asked me this a year ago, I probably would have been looking at three other different things that I'm wanting to do <laughs> or start something like that. But now yep, I love it. my perspective has, has tailored to getting us back to where we need to be and then growing it even more so that if anything in the future happens again, we're, we're stronger than before and better off than where we were last year. And so it's just continuing to build it as strong as what it can be, I think was a big lesson I learned from COVID was you can never you can never expect the unexpected to happen. And if your vision is always to keep growing it during times like COVID, you're really happy that that's always been a goal of yours. And if it's always been to put away and make sure that you always have enough in reserve for any type of economic downfall or something like that, then you look back and you're like, I could have taken that money to go on a really nice vacation but boy am i glad all these years that i've been disciplined and made sure that i've always saved for the unexpected and uh, grown even when i didn't necessarily have to 
because that's really what helped us survive COVID. Otherwise, I may would have not had these businesses if I wouldn't have had that that outlook from the beginning. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It's so important, and it's great advice. Um, so, well, look, when you're ready for your next business, you know who to to call when you if you want to look at some other good franchises, right? I do, and honestly, I for I don't know since I since I developed BU, that has been on my radar to franchise. I have built the brand based on it being your franchise, so I was really meticulous about branding and the services that we offered and how we structured everything for the purpose of like one day maybe I very well may franchise that brand. So. That's not off the table. It's just getting it back to where I want it to be again and then going from there. And I know who to call if that is going to be my next step with that business. I love it. I love it. But no, it makes sense. First things first, right? You don't want to, uh, you know, put the the wagon in front of the horse or whatever it is that they say. Well, look, I, I love, you know, what you've done. Your story is is amazing. You're an inspiration. Um, you've shared so much good advice, you know, in this conversation today for, I think, any any existing small business owner that's out there that's, you know, trying to figure out how they can grow to their business to the next level. I think, you know, any aspiring entrepreneur that listens to you is, is going to, you know, learn so much from everything that you've shared. But, you know, before we wrap this up, do you, do you have any parting advice for the aspiring entrepreneur out there? Someone that's, you know, has this drive. They know that they're meant to to build their own business, but they maybe just don't quite know how to get started, or they feel stuck. Uh, any any advice for for someone that's you know in that camp right now? The best advice I ever received was from my dad, and he said, "Every day you wake up, you hit the street, you go talk to people, businesses, people who." want who you think would want to hear about your brand or your business or your company and just go have conversations and you get one yes out of talking to 50 people that mm-hmm. week but that one is all you need to change your life and those yeses will keep coming if you keep going back but if you don't go out there and see what people want and need you'll never you'll never know and if you feel rejected by you know a thousand no's you're not going to be successful in business you just need one yes in life you just need one person to believe in you your business and your brand and there you've got your first customer and that was really the best advice i mean i've had that outlook my whole life now i just need that one person and I have, I have a, somebody that believes in what I want to do. And that's enough because I'm going to keep talking to people until I get more. Yeah, I love it. It's, uh, it, it is such good advice. And I love the fact that it came from your dad, too. I think that's pretty cool. So literally, as we speak right now, my four-year-old daughter is out with um, her babysitter or our nanny or whatever. They, they went to the neighborhood next to ours uh in the golf cart and they're putting door hangers for one of our businesses (laughs) on all of the doors so i'm trying to get her started young too and uh you know hopefully giving her some some good advice similar to what your dad gave you but um no i I love it and again really appreciate you making time to do this and uh no doubt everyone that listens is going to learn a lot i'm glad that we connected and and i hope that we can stay in touch uh before i let you go though i've got a uh, what I call a lightning round. So this is the same four questions that I ask every guest that comes on the podcast. Um, now you actually just answered the very first question of the lightning round, which is what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? So, um, but that was great. So we'll, we'll go ahead and skip to the second question of the lightning round, which is, do you have any sort of a morning routine, anything that you try to do every morning to prime yourself for a successful day? The first thing I always do is go make coffee. And yep. then I take 30 minutes for myself to do whatever I want. Working out, reading, praying, devotional, 
meditation or really just sometimes I'll sit and read different news columns. It's just that 30 minutes of me time to just be still before Mm -hmm. a chaotic day because I know I'm not going to get that, get that time again. So that really is what I do every morning. Yeah. I think it's so important to have that quiet time, that you time, uh, before the, the chaos of the day ensues, because it, it always will, especially when you own multiple businesses, you've got a lot, a lot, uh, depending on you. So no, I, I get it. And, uh, to me, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, you know, you mentioned reading, I don't, I don't know, you know, if you're uh, an avid reader or not, but, um, I'd be curious what book you might be reading right now. You know, I don't read a lot, but I do audiobooks religiously. And so yeah. I, I finished reading Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy because mm-hmm. I sometimes find myself putting off doing the most. It's always the things you don't want to do that's the most important things, right? And yeah. so I always yeah. find myself like doing a million of the things that aren't so important before tackling that dreaded one thing that I don't want to do. And so this book perspective of like eating your day away based on the most, the most important and the most productive and the most profitable. And that's always the hardest thing. So it's been a good book to help me refocus my energy on what I need to be tackling first before doing other things that don't produce the same kind of results. Yeah. No, it's, it is, it's, you know, and if you get the hardest thing out of the way, first thing, then your day's likely just going to get, you know, a little bit easier as it goes, instead of you keep putting off something that you're dreading doing, because then you kind of go through the day with this apprehension of, I know I've got to do this, but I'm going to keep putting it off. And and so you're just kind of, you're not even, you know, in the moment enjoying any part of the day. You're just, you know, dreading having to do this, this one uncomfortable thing or, or whatever it may be. So, and that, what was the name of that book again? eat that frog. Okay. That's what I thought. It broke up a little bit and that's Brian Tracy. Yeah. Brian Tracy's great and he's got a lot of good material out there, but I've been really big on the audio books lately too. Um, I used to do a lot more reading of like hard copy of books and, and I still do, but I'm a, not a very fast reader, so I can, I can crank through the audio books a lot faster. Right. I'm about to start the 40 day social media fast. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. I can do that from a business perspective. You know, every day I have to be on and check out and that sort of thing. But sometimes from a personal perspective, I find that I'll just start mindlessly scrolling or, you know, when I'm bored, I'm like, I can be doing more with my time than getting on the personal side of things. I should be using this time more towards my business page or, you know, something like that. So I'm really looking at doing that fast more towards realigning my social media focus on business instead of personal for 40 days. So we'll yeah. see how that goes. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a very healthy thing to do. I mean, I know when I'm procrastinating, that's usually my go-to is I'll grab my phone and pull up Instagram or something like that. Uh, it's just like an easy way to, to put off what you know you should do, but maybe don't feel like doing. So uh, I get it. You'll have to let me know how that goes. Um, all right. Well, final question I've got for you then is what is your definition of freedom and are you living it? Okay. Well, my definition of freedom would be to run my businesses daily without my businesses ever running me and relying on me to be physically there every day. I love that. I would say I'm about 75, 25%. I mean, I still wake up being in the food business. That's been a that that was an eye opener for me with with labor and that sort of thing and call-ins. I never really experienced those mm-hmm. kinds of issues before, and so after the first year of all the learning and that sort of thing, it got better. But even to this day, I still know at some point I could get a call-in on a really busy day, and I may would need to help during lunch from 12 to 2 when they're getting hammered or at night from 6 to 8. I mean, it's it's scheduled differently now than it was that first year, Mm -hmm. but I still know 
that I may have to, if it's necessary, go in. And so just getting to that point of 100% where it's never, where I can be anywhere doing anything and I'm never necessarily needed to be there at any given time. And so I would say for the most part, that's where I am. A lot of my businesses, they all do run self-sufficiently without me being there, but they all have that little window of a need me to be there sort of thing that isn't a hundred percent. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard thing to do to, to, you know, scale your businesses to the point where, you know, they can pretty much run with or without you. Uh, I think it's a great goal to be working towards. And it definitely sounds to me like you are well on your way to accomplishing that. So again, I really respect everything that you're doing. It's an inspiration. Appreciate you making some time to drop in here on the Path to Freedom podcast with me. Where can people connect with you? Where can they learn more about your businesses? Um, where where can people find you? Um, on Facebook, I have a page. It's Kristen N. Chandler. And that's just a, a business page, but kind of a personal page about everything that I'm doing uh, with all the businesses. Okay. On Instagram, BizSnob. And then... On Clubhouse, it's Kristen Chandler, and my email is kristenchandler at gmail.com um, with two Cs. So I, can, I email 24-7, so that's, that's a good way to. And as far as businesses go, um, Subway is just <laughs> the corporate website, Any Lab Test Now, same at www.anylabtestnow.com. Dot com BU is www.bunow.com. So just B Y O U N O W.com. Okay. Business insurance MDM.com. And that's where you can find all those businesses. Awesome. Well, we will link all of that up in the show notes to make it easy for people to find if they want to learn more about your businesses and connect with you. So again, really appreciate it. This was amazing. Um, I will uh, make sure that I stay on touch in, in touch on my end and please do the same. And if there's ever anything I can do to help you out, just let me know. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.